Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love. And we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time. So before I begin, there are a couple of other announcements that I want to make about worship um, this year. Advent marks the beginning of the new year, and there are a couple of things this year that are going to happen a little differently than in the past. And I want you to be aware not only of what's happening, but why they're happening. We're going to continue to use the Revised Common Lectionary. However, instead of highlighting all four passages from that lectionary like we did last year, we're going to focus strictly on the gospel and on the good news. In 2023, my hope was to provide insight on how the whole story of God is unified. From beginning to end, the Bible shares God's great love story for all of humanity. This year, our theme is gonna revolve around light and more illumination. And so as that light shines, we are going to pray that it illuminates the gospel, the good news for us in ways that are relevant and help us to go out and share the good news in the world. You may have noticed that the ornaments are a bit misplaced on the tree. They are placed exactly where they were at the hanging of the greens. They're kind of all towards the bottom um, and they're a little clumped together. I intended to come in last week and position them a little more perfectly because that's how it's supposed to be, right? Our ornaments need to be perfectly placed on the Christmas tree, maybe, and maybe not. Uh, we'll eventually get to positioning the ornaments, but this week, I want you to think about how sometimes things inside and outside these walls just cannot be positioned properly. They aren't spaced or placed aesthetically, or for lack of better terminology, we just don't have control over all things. And maybe, at least for this week, the ornaments all clumped together towards the bottom of the tree can provide for us practice at being at peace with the way things are, even if they're not the way that we would want them to be, the way they, that we think they should be, or the way that we would have it if we were in control. I want to share a story to begin the message from our Advent devotion, Holy Disruption. Many of you may have heard this story, but it was new to me, and it's such a good story that I thought it bared repeating anyway. It's the story of the Christmas truce of 1914. Apparently, no one is really sure how that truce began. Some accounts say that it was the German soldiers in their trenches who first began to sing carols on that Christmas Eve. And then the British soldiers, huddled in their own trenches, responded with some of their own country's traditional carols. And back and forth, the two enemies sang to one another in the darkness. 
And at daybreak, the German soldiers cautiously emerged from their trenches and approached the enemy. And the British, observing that the Germans carried no weapons, nervously climbed out of their own trenches and the two sides advanced towards one another into no man's land. Accounts indicate that the soldiers exchanged small gifts of cigarettes and food and souvenirs and helped one another to retrieve their dead and wounded. And more carols were sung, and some reports claim that the soldiers even played a game of soccer. We like stories of peace and harmony, especially at Christmas time. Peace is one of those gifts that God offers us faithful followers. Peace adorns our holiday cards and images. It's one of the main themes of our Christmas carols. But is it a reality in our lives? Real peace, not a cheap imitation, not the peace that the world offers that comes through the security of a nice home, a healthy bank account, a good job, a stable marriage, great kids, or good health, but the peace that remains when any of those are lost in an instant and divorce papers are filed or the doctor confirms a dreaded diagnosis or you discover that your child is on drugs or you lose your job and any or all financial security disappears. Peace is a radical part of Jesus' agenda, but it varies greatly from the version that the world offers. And I think if you're honest, we can all agree that real, authentic peace seems to avoid most people, most days. Ashley has shared a couple of times during our Advent sessions this week her lack of enthusiasm in studying these apocalyptic passages from the book of Mark throughout Advent. The Spirit has transformed her heart and mind as she has been obedient to dig into the Word. However, I think she, like most of us studying them, have realized the necessity Understanding that God seems yet again to know exactly what we're going to need before we ourselves are aware. We learned in our study this week that the meaning of the word apocalypse is to reveal or to disclose. And that understanding seemed to bring comfort to many. Our prayer is throughout Advent and the study of these passages that God will reveal, that God will disclose ways that we can receive his gifts, the gifts that he offers and let go of all false security, that we can receive true and lasting peace. Mark is written to bring hope and encouragement to people who are experiencing great tribulation those of us enjoying a comfortable plenty sometimes have a hard time regarding the end of the world as good news. However, for those that are suffering, the hope that all things will be made right is something to anticipate, to celebrate. The first verse of Mark chapter 1 verse 1 states, the beginning 
of the good news of Jesus Christ. Notice the absence of a verb. This is not a sentence, it's a title. And I want to point out that Mark begins and ends his book with the good news. And he starts it out with this bold announcement or heading, the beginning of the good news. As I mentioned, the last book, as I mentioned last week, the book of Mark is known as crisis literature, written to people who had lost everything, including the most important thing, their religious center. It's a text that's written with urgency. Mark's Mark shares the gospel with a reminder, this good news, it was foretold by prophets years and years before. It was was foretold by prophets of old, providing affirmation and confirmation. This was indeed God's plan beginning to unfold. What was the good news? That God was providing a new way for people to be in right relationship with God, that forgiveness for the ways that they had turned from God was offered, the washing away of all wrong, a new life, a new beginning could result, not through any efforts of their own, but through trust that the God who loved the world cared enough to take care of it for them. And the people responded. We're introduced to John the Baptist, an odd fellow found in strange places, dressed in unfashionable, uncomfortable clothing and eating bugs. He was different, to say the least. And maybe, as messengers of the good news, something that we are all called to be, we aren't intended to fit in. We're intended to stand out, something that I told the youth that I ministered to often but still try to live into myself. And again, people came and people listened. And shouldn't that give us confidence that the really important work, the work of change and transformation, it is not up to us or about our efforts. It's spirit work. We're just the vessels, the tools that are used to share the possibilities of connecting with God in various ways. John, John went about his work with great humility, something that's missing in many people in the world these days. His entire purpose, his entire mission was not about himself, but about steering people in the direction of Jesus, who was the connection to the God of love. The story of Mark is the story of Jesus bringing peace to the world. Not situational peace, but peace that is hard hard won and worth working for, worth waiting for. Be aware, the Bible is clear, there is an enemy, an adversary who is intent on robbing you of that peace. Pleased that we settle for cheap cheap imitations that do not endure. And I find it odd how quickly we raise our eyebrow at the truth without a second thought. We write it off as silly when really it's obvious. The bad news is that our enemy is not going to call a truce 
There will be no ceasefire in the spiritual war waged for our souls. The good news is, victory's already been won. We just have to stand on the promises of the victor. The threat of defeat, it is nothing but an ugly lie. John's good news concludes with this statement. Someone greater is coming and the baptism he offers will be beyond water baptism. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Washed clean and forgiven of every wrong and equipped and enabled to live into every purpose. This week, another of FCC's heroes transitioned to her eternal reward. Shirley Brownlee lived a life that will leave a lasting impact on everybody that knew her. If you think about it, she was a sort of a modern day John the Baptist. She was an anomaly. She did not fit in. She stood out with strong, determined, and dedicated faith. A person of great humility who gave constant and continual glory to God and thought about others every moment of her life. The family graciously allowed Rick and I to go and express our deep gratitude to Shirley for the love and the service that she shared with this congregation. And we said our see you laters. Family was Shirley's treasure. Her hope was that each of them would live into the fullness of life that God had for them, and that hope never died. She transitioned from this life to the next at peace with God and man. And we should be thankful for the faithful witnesses that God has set before us showing us how to live. If you've been paying attention, we have certainly learned that life, it is precious. When and how it will end is unknown. And it is imperative that we live as faithful followers until the very end. And that's possible, guys, because we've seen it done. I want to conclude with a few of God's promises in hope that they will offer you some peace that you can carry with you throughout this season of Advent and beyond. From Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. From Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. John 16.33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. This world, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you 
and teach you in the way that you will, shall, should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. I read somewhere this week that there are 7,000 promises of God. Depart today, encouraged to wait, to watch, and to be prepared to receive and to share those promises. It's time that we step out of our complacency and realize the urgency. Time, time is precious. And in honor of those who have showed us the way and in response to the fire that burns within our own souls, let us step into the fullness of of life that God offers and let go of all of those things that hinder and hold us back. And may we not stop there. May we encourage and enable others to do likewise. I conclude by repeating these words of Jesus from John 14, 27, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, and I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Amen. Typically during this time, we would offer a call to discipleship, but before we get to that call to discipleship, we're going to pause for a testimony from one who has herself received that peace in the midst of troubled waters. Please welcome to the lectern, Marie Miller. I'm with you, Lee. I don't like it up here. (laughs) Um, Before I begin, I do think that God puts people in our lives that help us. And and even if you're trying to figure out what God is or who God is, um, he still puts those people in our lives. and, And the For me to write this today, that person is my husband, and uh, he's helped me through so much, and uh, he is what helped me get through this. So peace. I find it funny that Sandra asked me to speak about peace as I seem to be in constant state of turmoil, physically or emotionally, and most definitely spiritually. There's one, maybe two people in this room that know my story, and some of it isn't pretty. I've certainly struggled with finding peace. The easy way to address this topic would be to immediately point out all the national and worldly problems occurring and all that could or should be done to save ourselves from and and others, but I think it's more appropriate to address personal peace, inner peace, because without that, solving these other things can never truly come to fruition. This is a happy and joyous time of year. Just look around at the lights, the celebrations, the family gatherings, the presents, the trees, the food. How could anybody not feel peaceful and happy? And then take another look around. There are those of us that have lost loved ones, recently or not, but we forever have an empty plate at our table and we struggle to find peace or feel guilty if we do. Maybe we can't be with family. Maybe we have family that doesn't want to be with us. Maybe we struggle with the fractured relationships or mental health issues. Maybe we watch that Hallmark movie on TV and wonder, why isn't life really like that? I struggle with this topic of peace, which might be why Sandra asked me to speak about it. One of my fears is having people think that I'm fake or a hypocrite. I pop in here every Sunday morning, bouncing around, smiling, hugging, pouring coffee, the crazy old tatted up lady that's goofy, and I'm sure quite annoying to some. 
I try to listen and actually hear the sermon and gather a pearl of wisdom each and every time. I won't lie and tell you that I always get it because I don't. I'm not 100% at peace in my faith. I've been very open about this through the years. I've always struggled with it. I joke that I'm a recovering Catholic, but really that just gives me a way to push the topic along without truly having to address it. I'd like to say that my faith and my inner peace immediately grew when my daughter Lauren died. But while I said all the right things, my inner peace was in a tailspin, worse than ever before. I felt anger and resentment, self-pity, self-loathing, and then nothing. And feeling nothing is worse. So I played the old fake it till you make it game. I put on a smile, responded to things appropriately, usually, and waited for God's love and peace to hit me. I waited a long time. Honestly, maybe I'm still waiting. That's not to say I didn't find some happiness. I just kept waiting for the lightning bolt moment when God was supposed to speak directly to me and cleanse my soul from top to bottom so that I could fly, speak in tongues, and heal others. (laughs) Guess what? It does not happen like that. In fact, you actually have to work at it, really work at it. I believe faith and peace go hand in hand, but therein lies the problem. If you have no faith, can you truly have peace? If you look around, there are a lot of, there's a lot of unrest, conflict, and evil everywhere. And we're supposed to just feel peace? It's not that easy, but it's also not as hard as I try to make it either. It's a choice. It's a simple choice. I heard somebody speak Friday night about his life and the struggles that he endured. And his, his conclusion was, give it to God and then go serve someone else. This is where the peace comes in, serving others. When I serve others, my own struggles become less and less noticeable, and my inner peace increases. I, can give, I can't give you a mathematical equation as to how and why this works, but it just does. I'm living proof. I've spent so much time over the years wallowing in my own issues and losses that by the time I figured out that this works, I had lost precious time that I could have already been at peace. Or did I? Maybe our times of challenges might just be what we need to be able to look at things differently so that we can truly appreciate and enjoy the peace that we find at the end of that dark tunnel. By no means am I done struggling or asking questions. Sorry, Sandra. (laughs) There will be always questions. (laughs) But I can honestly and wholeheartedly tell you that the more I do and pray for others, the more peaceful I feel inside. Whether you have faith or not, if you feel like you're at the end of your rope, or even if you think you have all your ducks in a row, I will make a challenge to you to turn all things over to God, the God of your choice, and focus on serving others and see what happens. I think you'll be amazed at the inner peace you will find. Maybe bit by bit, a little here, a little there, but you will find it, and you will grow more peaceful because of it. I will leave you with some words shared by my late daughter, Embrace this day. Peace out. Mm-hmm.